All Aboard's your new weekly favourite podcast, Next Stop, where you'll find out all there is to know about trains. 2021 is the European year of the rail. It years to remind us that the journey is as important as the destination. I'm Connor, and this is the podcast by the Spring 2021 trainees of the European Committee of the Regions. The Trans-Europe Express train was founded in 1957 and seized in 1995. It brought cities together by offering an international first-class only train service. During its peak in the 1970s, this European network of trains connected up to 130 cities. Given its luxury dimension, these services started to fade away with time. It gave space to more second-class wagons and connections. They also started to be replaced by intercity and high-speed trains and air travel. But recently, the German Transport Minister spoke about how the network of routes that flourished in the 1960s and 70s could be the model for a new set of connections from 2025. The Connecting Europe Express is one of the European Year of the Rail's most emblematic initiatives. Starting in autumn in Lisbon, this train will pass through 40 different cities, bringing train travel closer to the people. In 2016, only 6% of rail passenger traffic was international. Therefore, this initiative hopes to raise awareness, connect people, businesses and goods in a greener and more sustainable way. In fact, the EU already agreed to a new Connecting Europe facility, worth 33.7 billion euro as part of the next EU budget cycle. Next stop. We are grateful today to be joined by Harold Reuters. Mr. Reuster is the director of the Directorate for Investment, Innovation and Sustainable Transport in DG Move of the European Commission. He'll be talking to us today about the Connecting Europe Express, which will be one of the European Year of the Rail's most visible and exciting initiatives. So thanks very much. Thanks for coming here, Mr. Reuters. And we're delighted to have you on the Next Stop podcast. And to get things started, can you tell me like what was the inspiration behind the Connecting Europe Express and how will the European Year of the Rail be a turning point in the journey towards uh, a truly connected rail network in Europe? Thank you very much and thank you for uh, having me in this uh, podcast and uh, delighted to be with you. Uh, of course, uh, inspiration comes from, let's say, sometimes very, uh, let's say, fond memories of long train journeys uh, across borders. But to be honest, uh, first of all, it is because there is a green deal. And uh, immigrant waterways and rail are our most environmentally friendly modes, and uh, they certainly also are the best in energy consumption. And so we really need to put that forward. We have a new strategy which foresees uh, tripling uh, the high-speed traffic by 2050, doubling rail freight traffic by 2050, we have, of course, uh, the new proposals coming for the rail freight corridors at the 10 And then it's the European Year of Rail. So what do you want to do else? I mean, uh, in this COVID year where we cannot have a conference uh, where 3,000 to 5,000 people are gathering in one place, we thought then we are going to the people. No, it's, it's, it's a great initiative. And uh, I attended a few weeks ago the, the launch of the Connecting Europe Express. And um, one of our former guests, Anna Depagnier, she um, was speaking at it and uh, it was really exciting and um, their, her account of uh, what her, the, her journey could be like in a few years was really cool as well. So um, like the Connecting Europe Express is one of the European Year of the Rail's most emblematic uh, initiatives and it's going to be stopping in like so many cities and regions right across the EU. Uh, like with each destination, or what exactly is going to happen? Because I know it's stopping in a number of different cities. 
and it, and how can like local people uh, in each city be involved and how can people interested in organizing events and along the route get involved in this initiative also yeah this this train uh, that is starting to ride uh, in, in lisbon on the 2nd uh, of september and arrives in paris on 7th of october will stop in, in many many uh, cities uh, we have 69 longer stops uh, foreseen capitals and the major cities alongside uh, of this long journey throughout the, all of the member states uh, in the European Union. And uh, what we want to do is to connect as many uh, people uh, around that journey. Now, what we, of course, can completely do is organize the events alongside the journey. So we are organizing five events ourselves in, in Lisbon, in Bucharesti, Berlin, Bettenburg, uh, Ljubljana, and of course the arrivals in each of these cities, like I explained. But there will be many more uh, who will be organized by the uh, national, local and regional authorities, by the, the rail companies and by uh, other groupings uh, who find an interest in this journey. Uh, in the beginning we were very much restrained in capacity, perhaps only like 40 people, but we hope that we can widen the capacity a bit and that also citizens can travel along with this train and that of course citizens can visit the events uh, as far as possible uh, that we are organizing alongside. So this is uh, also a direct dimension which will connect citizens with the train and with what we're doing in policy. That's yeah, that's really exciting. Like to see, um, like obviously the name is Connecting Europe Express, but it, it will actually be doing that in, in a certain way, going across different cities and different uh, borders. And um, yeah, normal people are like, are gonna be able to come, come and visit and, uh, and those two carriages, that's really a, a cool kind of point. It's like a, a small museum in a way. So that's, that's nice. And a big, uh, obviously a big thing within the European Green Deal is um, like the sus sustainability and the, how friendly the rail is for the environment. Um, so one, yeah, something I want to ask you was um, like in my lifetime and I'm sure in a lot of young people's lifetime, we always jump on a plane because it's could be 20, 20 euro for a, for a ticket from one capital to another. So like, obviously this, this needs to change uh, if we want to be more sustainable. Like what are the challenges that rail face uh, to be the favored mode of transport rather than plane or, and the aviation sector? Yeah, no, I, I think uh, that uh, rail carries all of that promise in its let's say, being in the way that they are and the, the infrastructure that they have. But, uh, I mean, you sometimes wonder why they don't grasp it better. <laughs> yeah. Mean, they should really, like, uh, make full use. And, and we need to tackle a, a number of issues. We have done already a lot through all of this liberalization and the packages. But uh, we still seem to, to not get to the final stretch. What is also really hampering is that timetabling and capacity management, the rail, is very burdensome. It's like almost, uh, well, it's decades old. You have to put your slot in two years before, so you have no flexibilities there. If you really want to go to competition and uh, have very flexible markets, there should be a new mechanism around that. And nevertheless, citizens would like to, because you have the comfort, you can eat your paper, you are more at ease, you don't need to go through too many controls. But still, it is quite expensive. So we also need to look at the track access charges and the way uh, the competition is playing out in real. So you could say there is work in order to, to meet the people's expectations and to come onto a level playing field with the others. So 
Yeah, the dream is also an expression there of, uh, perhaps I would say, constructive criticism. Yeah. Moving forward, I think it's probably one of the things that will probably change a lot in uh, in our lifetime. Uh, the kind of switch from everyone picking the, the airplane and then maybe taking rail to different cities and being from Ireland, having the opportunity to go by rail from like Gare de Midi to uh, like the centre of Paris is very exciting. And I think, um, I, I know, I hope it's, it's much more accessible and we can see that changing. Moving on to a kind of different topic. And this is kind of more of a technical thing. So uh, the 10T network. So for any listeners who wouldn't know a lot about the 10T network, it's an attempt to encourage the transition from national networks to a truly uh, integrated European network. It's called the, the Trans-European Transport Network, 10T. It addresses the implementation and development of uh, a Europe-wide network of railway lines, roads, inland waterways, maritime shipping routes, uh, airports and railroad terminals. And my question for you is, obviously, there's a lot of uh, goals and a lot of uh, ambition with the 10T network. But how realistic do you think um, the most important core network of the goal of 2030 and the secondary network of 2050, which can remove missing links, is... Um, realistic do you think that we're on track to uh to achieve these goals and yeah yeah no, thank you i mean for most of it we are on, on track um and, and that's also why this train is so uh, so really important and good to to demonstrate uh, along these projects because we're tracking alone almost all of the most important projects that we are co-funding at this moment in time as you, as you said we really focus on cross-border because we feel that that is where we can make a difference and where we need to make a difference as well. Uh, member states always build from uh, from their from their capital city to their other important cities. Anyhow, I mean, where it is lacking is uh, to do the last bit across the border because the economic interest might be smaller for the member states concerned. So we are building at this moment in time, and many of these projects will see the light in the in the upcoming decades. Uh, I, I already spoke earlier on on the projects, for instance, uh, connecting the Baltic states with Poland, real Baltica normally to be finished uh, in the second half of, of this decade. I was speaking about the links between uh, Lisbon, Madrid and France. Progressing very well, should be finished by that time. Uh, I could uh, highlight the links between Copenhagen, Hamburg, Berlin and Germany with the, uh, the Freeman Belt uh, also to going to be ready in the second half of this decade. Uh, th there are many of these kind of projects uh, which are under construction at this moment in time as we speak. So we, we are uh, confident uh, that uh, by 2030 we have quite the, the, the largest part, more than 90% finished, and uh, we will uh, propose also a real ambition in the new proposal end of the year to go one step beyond, because uh, it's very clear that citizens are asking also for a real new ambition in high speed, linking the capitals, linking the main airports, and uh, we have to accompany that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's um, not a straightforward uh, answer or question because it's it's very difficult. There's so many different factors, and building like a a rail network or building a transport network takes obviously years. And uh, the future is kind of bright in in my eyes a bit, but uh, and it's it's a very exciting time. I'm I'm sure for. Being in DG Move, you're seeing so many changes with sustainability. Um, so it's really, really cool to see. And that kind of leads me on uh, to kind of my final question for you. And um, 
Yeah, so obviously the Connecting Europe Express is one of the main events of the European Year of the Rail. And um, I suppose, uh, like, how optimistic are you, like, in terms of this journey towards creating a more sustainable transport system and mobility system, not only in the Connecting Europe Express and how great this event is going to be, but also in terms of the future and real life, kind of how, what's kind of your, your thoughts on that? I, I am optimistic. <laughs> Life is too short not to be optimistic. My firm belief is that we are here to to make things uh, becoming a better place. And uh, there is too much pessimism around already. It is difficult. I mean, I'm not going to say that this is an easy ride. It is not. Uh, this is about huge investments, uh, about cross-border cooperation, about uh, tackling uh, old monopolies, uh, about uh, getting uh, real improvement for citizens and for our uh, environment. So uh, a real ambition for a new high-speed rail network and a real ambition also for realizing that one uh, in accordance with the new timeline that will be set. So, yes, I, I hope that, uh, that uh, the Connecting Europe Express will make visible what we are doing, because that is the most important. We'll make visible what is positive and what needs to be kicked uh, around still a bit. And uh, I'm looking forward to a, a very long journey there. <laughs> that's, that's great to hear. And uh, yeah, thanks, thanks so much for uh, being, being here with us today and coming on the Next Stop podcast. We're yeah, working on the, like, on, in a transport area myself and uh, getting kind of uh, your view on things is really, really exciting and it's good to see um, great optimism and uh, great hope for the future. And um, yeah, I just wanted to say th thanks from all thanks from all the trainees here in the community regions. And yeah, I hope we can kind of enhance the, the European Year of the Rail with our podcast. And I can't wait. I might try to jump on one of the Connecting Europe Express trains <laughs> myself. Thank you very much. It is a great pleasure to be with you. Uh, also on that uh, side, I would like to really to encourage you. Uh, I'm happy that you do this as also as, as, a, as a grouping. And uh, having been a stagiaire in 92 myself, I can only say uh, get going with it uh, because there's a, a great dream still also to be built in Europe uh, and it never stops. Thanks a million for being with us. Really appreciate it. Next stop. For this next stage of the podcast, we're joined today by Slavin Kobucha. He works within the Committee of the Regions on the EGTC platform, the European Grouping of Tutorial Corporations. It allows public entities of different member states to come together under a new entity with a full legal personality. The EGTC regulation was established in 2006, was the first European corporation structured with a legal personality defined by the European law. So thanks very much, Slavin for coming on the podcast today. And I suppose my first question is, um, what exactly is the EGTCs and uh, how do they operate? Yeah, thanks, Connor. It's uh, nice to be here with you. Um, so yeah, as you said, the EGTC is uh, really the first legal framework that allows uh, local regional authorities from across borders to create a joint legal body. While that might sound quite dry, actually it has very significant consequences uh, for cutting the administrative 
um, burden as well as many of the obstacles that exist in uh, cross-border cooperation. Uh, because this tool really, it is really essentially a tool that allows local regional authorities to create one legal entity that is recognized by all the member states under the EU law. And as such, it can have its own budget, its own staff, its own property, and manage uh, the, the projects on its territory as one entity under one legislation of the member state, normally the one where its uh, seat is located. So this uh, really helps uh, cut a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, problems that our local and regional authorities have. And uh, we have this tool already now for roughly 15 years in place. And uh, for last five years, the, we have seen really the strength of this uh, tool because the, in the first 10 years, uh, it took them quite a while to set up uh, and gain experience. But now we see many GTCs creating uh, joint European universities, uh, creating very uh, large-scale infrastructure projects, uh, just as uh, some we will discuss today. But they're also sharing uh, in daycare, uh, daycare between regions, creating joint touristic offers, really anything uh, that you could imagine and uh, is that EGTCs are actually doing on the ground. So basically, it has it's a tool that is the tool that has most uh, furthered the cross-border cooperation uh, in the European Union, uh, but not only cross-border cooperation, but also uh, transnational cooperation between different member states, because the EGTC is not, does, don't necessarily have to be sharing a border. They can be from any member state as long as uh, they fulfill some of the basic uh, requirements. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And like, uh, I suppose for me as well, I never really heard about the EGTCs before coming to the Committee of Regions. So it's a uh, it's really cool to see that they can that there's these kind of entities that will support people. So, like overall, this this kind of uh, the EGTC platform, like what's the kind of overall goal for improving cross border relations in Europe? Yeah. So basically, uh, the EGTC platform here is really just to train EGTCs to uh, point them out where the funding opportunities exist for them to share experiences because what happens with all the EU projects is basically the uh, the results that they have with their project is normally should be free to citizens, uh, but also be should be free to be shared among Europeans and um, different European entities. So we have this, uh, for example, very interesting example related to transport uh, that also involves rail is uh, in the EGTC Nouvelle Aquitaine Navarre, uh, uh, Navarre, which is the Spanish uh, uh, French border. And basically they realized there were different kind of transport means going across border, but there was really no coordination and there was no way a citizen could plan out their trip across the border because simply the systems were not compatible. So they have uh, obtained an EU funding to create a project that now um, allows for all the uh, providers of transport to put in their um, in their itineraries, their timetables into this program, but also to meet and maybe harmonize their uh, timing schedules. And now you can actually plan out uh, your trip across the border quite easily and for free for all the citizens of that region. So now what we're seeing is the, this, re, uh, this EGTC sharing this technology 
with other EGTCs so that the same thing would be replicated along European borders. So this is something uh, that uh, we, uh, we're we trying to uh, assist them and this is really the value of the EGTC platform. But yes, we do not really fund them, but there is quite sufficient funding uh, available already. Okay, and I know, so obviously the the next stop podcast that we're talking a lot about trains, as, as you mentioned there, um, about the in Spain, the, the EGTC there, but also I understand that there's two EGTCs in uh, Dresden, Prague, and the Euro District, Panama. Could you maybe elaborate a bit on them, them too? Yeah, so this, this, these two uh, EGTCs are very interesting. Pamina is a, a new region. Um, and basically what they are trying to do is facilitate and intensify cooperation in support of a balanced and more sustainable territorial development. And what they have noticed is that transport links are simply not sufficient um, in that regions across borders because there's quite a lot of movement of people uh, daily across borders to go to work, to go to universities. Uh, so basically they are kind of champion in the in direction of smaller cross-border rail links, which we call missing links, um, which are sometimes not really uh, fully recognized by the European Union or the member states, uh, as normally we give more visibility and more funding to large-scale uh, projects such as uh, big railway, uh, fast lanes, as well as uh, highways and similar, but then we kind of we also have to look into how do we just with not that much money, well, it is still uh, not that much money, really improve the smaller links along the borders so that we could reestablish in many cases uh, the rail uh, connections. However, with our now new trend going towards green, uh, green Europe, this is kind of becoming uh, no longer that acceptable and less and less people really want to have a car, private cars. So this come back, comes back into the work of uh, cross-border regions uh, where there is clear need uh, to uh, return these uh, links that used to exist. And then on the other hand, we have uh, the other EGTC you mentioned. It is a cooperation between uh, the city of Dresden in uh, Saxony and uh, uh, Prague uh, in Czech Republic. So basically, the common aim of the Czech Republic and the Free State of Saxony was to improve the rail, uh, railway link between Dresden and Prague. And this is because the, all the estimates they have done over past years have shown that the freight traffic in the region, but as well as passenger traffic, uh, will considerably uh, increase uh, with the ever-deepening uh, inter integration. Uh, so the passengers would like to see uh, shorter journey times, uh, but also uh, a better service for the freight uh, transport. So basically they have created an EGTC as a tool that could facilitate uh, uh, this uh, uh, construction. And it is a really a large scale project, uh, which is uh, the new planned railway line outside the Elbe Valley which will reduce the travel time in passenger long-distance transport between Dresden and Prague from currently more than two hours to less than one hour. So there, there are two really parts of that railway that will be constructed, one with speeds up to 200 uh, uh, kilometers per hour and the other part to up to 350. 
kilometers per hour, which will considerably cut uh, uh, the time. So we believe that this exact great example, the the uh, railway between Vezin and Prague, is something that we will uh, that will serve us as an uh, example of great practice and what EGTC really can. Uh, provide for to local and regional authorities. And in this case, there is also a high involvement of the Deutsche Bahn uh, in the whole project. Um, so we also see that the public companies such as Deutsche Bahn see uh, great value in, uh, in a tool such as is, uh, such as is the EGTC. Yeah, that's great to see that like they're improving the cross-border regions and improving the, the travel time, because I suppose that's what people care about, like in terms of how easy, easy is it for them to travel between cities? And that's that's quite a, you know, powerful to see that the community regions and the EGTCs are helping there. Um, so my final kind of question for you, uh, Slavin, is just that within the rail industry, how can EGTCs be utilized more and more moving forward? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, it just just with like with these two uh, EGTCs are they're doing, they're providing for a structure that will implement uh, construction of railway across the border while uh, having it under uh, legislation of one member state, many of the aspects of the building. But there are certain issues with EGTCs. EGTCs do still do not resolve all the legal obstacles. So at the moment, we do have uh, a proposal in the Council by the European Commission that was already approved by the European Parliament and strongly supported by the European Committee of the Regions. And that is the European cross-border mechanism that would allow for uh, even greater integration and especially would benefit such large-scale projects as what it would essentially allow is to uh, carry out these projects as if it was on territory of one member state and not really on two. That is essentially the aim of such a tool which would cut down costs uh, immensely. EGTC already cuts costs, but it cannot uh, address all the problems that such large-scale projects uh, face. So we would really need a complementary tool as this uh, European cross-border mechanism would be. That's, that's great, great to hear. And I think it's um, an opportunity to be very uh, powerful and be utilized more and more. We wanted to get you on the podcast basically because it's a uh, it's something that a lot of people, even within the community regions and uh, in Europe, wouldn't know about. So th thanks very much for taking the time uh, and coming on the podcast. Um, and hopefully more and more people in, within the rail industry can start utilizing this. And uh, yeah, thanks very much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Bye. No problem. Next. Hola. Bravo. Hola. Welcome back, dear Pop Wagoners. We are Mila, Jose, and Xavi, and we are pleased to connect trains with culture again. In the same way that the Connecting Europe Express has the objective to bring people together, culture has a powerful connection power. Allow us to fill your brains with a bit of information. Are you ready? Let's, Let's go! Talking about connection, I cannot stop thinking about how many times I have seen in movies cool storylines in which people connect in one way or another inside trains. Indeed, in previous episodes we already mentioned how trains are suitable scenarios to develop different functions. Before, everyone had a phone with internet and WhatsApp. What could you do during a long and boring ride? Taking a siesta? 
Yes, that's also true. But a movie about someone taking a siesta would have been very boring. What I mean is talking to people. Uh, when you start talking with the strangers in a train, something magic can happen, as it happened to the characters of Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy in the movie Before Sunrise. This film, of the director Richard Linklater, tells the story of two young travelers that met on a train trip to Vim, and they fall in love while walking around the city. Ah, oh, yes, so romantic. <laughs> in movies, not only new relations are born. The bittersweet side of love can be experienced when a train leaves, as we learn from brief encounter and the secret in their eyes. I know, but I prefer to talk about the beautiful stories, Bart Cooper. You know, guys, no better opportunity than today to talk about the Trans-Europe Express. Mm, Mila, uh, we already talked about it during the podcast. Didn't you listen? Of course I listened, smartass. I'm not referring actually to the train, but to the music album that the German electronic music pioneers Kraftwerk released in 1977. An album with the name of a train? Exactly. The disco was named after the Trans-Europe Express Railway that Connor mentioned before. Their objective was to celebrate Europe as a whole and to mediate about the disparities between reality and appearance. They even recorded some sounds from railway bridges to include them in the songs. Cool! Now I want to listen to it. Let's play it here. Wait, wait, we cannot do that. Did you ever hear about copyright? What we can do instead is to say the quote of the day. Mm, not that interesting, but okay. Many times the wrong train took me to the right place. From the Brazilian writer Paolo Coelho. That's indeed inspiring. I see that we're approaching to the next station, so it's time to say goodbye to our pop Wagoners. Hope you will join us in the next trip next week. Adios. And this brings us to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening and make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And also, if you get the opportunity, try jumping one of the Connecting Europe Express trains this autumn. My name is Conor Gilligan and I'll see you at the next stop.